0: Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 215 to 216, excludes in store clearance and baby.
1: blog
2: Talk Radio. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. We've been away for a bit, life gets in the way sometimes, but we are back. And joining me today, as always, is John Luke Shapiro and Zach Chigger. Welcome back, boys. It is great to have you guys back on the show. It's great to be talking about our blue shirts again.
3: What's going on, boys?
2: Gentlemen, what's up? What's up, guys? It's
1: awesome to hear (laughs) you both
3: again. (laughs) Let's dive
1: right in here. Uh, What a crazy month it has been uh, over the course of this NHL season so far. We have scoring is absolutely through the roof. Players are setting insane numbers already. Teams that people didn't think would be good are good, and teams that people thought were going to be really good aren't as good as people thought they were going to be. Looking at you, San Jose, get your get it together over there. But most importantly, our New York Rangers are on a four-game winning streak. They've gotten back to 500. they They're 7-7-2, and they look like they are determined to make the playoffs. Oh, boy. So much to dissect here. Let's jump in. JL, Rangers win four straight. Comeback wins. What do you think? Uh, What is your feeling about this? Because any other season, we'd all be thrilled that they're they're riding the ship. But this season was all about the tank. Now, how do we feel about this, JL? What do you think, buddy?
2: (laughs) Oh, man. I am so conflicted right now because you can, as much as you'd like to, you know, Drown yourself in clips of Jack Hughes and hoping he looks good in blue. I mean, let's let's be honest. You you just you want to see them win. I mean, it it it, it as a fan you don't want to keep getting disappointed, especially if you're fans of other teams that are not exactly successful. Looking at you, Mets. But um, you know, it I I personally I like it. I do. You know, as much as we talk about the tank and this and that in the fourth, you know, it's nice to see them finally, you know play the style that David Quinn said he was going to have his team play and they're they're rugged than, they're a little more rugged than before and they just seem more tenacious I mean I'll tell you that Montreal game the other night I was watching it I kind of put my head down and I said and I, not that I had stopped watching but I just kind of said you know what I'm just gonna you know take it for the tank and I'm not gonna let it get to me and then all of a sudden Bobby Pionk quote-unquote Bobby Pionk, comes in and decides <laughs> to blow off our minds and make Carey Price look like a pylon along with Noel Juleson. And then all of a sudden, hey, Mika Zibatrad shows up and says, yeah, I'm going to put this one to the back of the net. And it's just you can't contain yourself. So as much as we want to tank, it's really nice to see them playing well. I was at the game on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's just I, I love it. I do. And I will ride this high until they somehow end up falling off a cliff. Because you know what, I deserve it as a, as a, as a New York Stoke fan. I deserve it, and that's just me being selfish. <laughs> but yeah, they're playing sound. They're playing very well. A lot of the guys who you didn't think were going to play well were playing well. As much as people like to get Cody McLeod, uh, get on Cody McLeod. <coughs> Zach, <coughs> sorry, I was like a cough there. Um, you know he's done well for the most part, okay, and his limited role. Uh, Brett Howden, you know, luckily he seems like he's all right. He's doing fantastic. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is Henrik Lundqvist, of course, Seller, so, you know, as always. So it's just it's nice to see that the team is buying in. And if nothing comes of this season, you can look back at these wins that they're the string of wins that they're having here, and you can say, you know what, I think these guys will be all right.
1: Oh, yeah. I think they're going to be fine. I think that it's very clear that David Quinn's system is a really ex- exciting system. It's a system that you got to hound the puck, you got to take possession of the puck. It's not about the. Uh Oh, my God, the really bad stress, pass, the stretch passes that we're used to over the past few years that rarely ever seem to work. But, uh, no, it's really kind of like a breath of fresh air, and it's good to see that everyone's buying in. And, Kevin Hayes, keep upgrading that trade value, buddy. Keep it going. Keep playing well. <laughs> uh, also, Jail, really nice way to segue to our next topic, which I need Zach to comment on first here, is the play of Brett Howden. Brett Howden has looked amazing so far in the early season. Um, I believe he is still second in rookie scoring at this point, only behind Vancouver's super prospect, Elias Pedersen, who is scorching the league right now. But uh, Brett Howden is really looking like he has been a really good find, looking like he's been much more than a quote-unquote throw as some people have said in that Tampa Bay Lightning trade. And uh, it's looking like he is going to become a very important part of the future going forward here. Zach, you've watched these games. Uh, you've seen Brett Howden. What do you think of the play of Brett Howden? And, I mean, basically, the play of Brett Howden has been caused for Leah Sanderson to not be called up early in the season. He finally was called up, and we will get to that. But, basically, the guy played himself into a role. No one thought he was going to be in this role. And, uh, you know, he's been really good. So, Zach, what have you liked about the play of Brett Howden so far?
3: Well, for for Howden, it's more the little things that don't end up with the puck in the back of the net, it's winning faceoffs. It's going into the corners. It's playing a two hundred foot game, where a guy like Kevin Hayes didn't do that when he first started with the Rangers. Um, Howden was determined out of camp to try and make the team. He ultimately, did make the team for a variety of reasons, but probably most importantly was that he has the skill to be an NHL player and the head of a, an NHL veteran where he knows he has to get back into position. He knows that he needs to win a key face-off and it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was pointed out on the broadcast the other night um, how the Rangers were missing Howden against Montreal where they were losing important face-offs on the power play or on the penalty kill and they were able to survive and come back and, and it was great but part of what made what makes Howden important to the team is the things he does that either start a play or finish a play on the defensive end. So that's what I've liked from him so far with Anderson. Uh, David Quinn mentioned that he might still be with the team when everyone is healthy. So who knows how they will rotate everyone, maybe uh, Spooner or hopefully McLeod goes to the press box. Um, you know, McLeod has, has played well for his standards. My issue with McLeod and I wrote it on the site and I, I'll say it again. My issue with McLeod is that his style of play and his, um, aside from being a locker room guy, which is obviously important, but aside from that, he doesn't bring a whole lot on the ice. So, For a guy like Vinny Lettiri, who has been scratched multiple times for a guy like Cody McLeod, my only thought is, why are you giving a 34-year-old enforcer whose status in the league is basically obsolete? He's one of the few remaining uh, old-fashioned enforcers still out there. Why are you giving him more ice time than a 20-something-year-old with a lot more offensive upside and organizational upside. That that's my only thing. If it's a if it's truly a rebuild, let the kids play. That's really my only thing with, with McLeod. I I when Tanner Glass was here, I was all for Tanner Glass. I was all for sitting boots if he wasn't playing well. If McLeod's playing well and the team is winning, I, I have no issues. But to say that McLeod um should be in the lineup every single night regardless of what's going on with the team is, is something to me that is a little, a little out there. But to get back to Howden, after JL got me all riled up before. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, with with Howden, it's just, like I said, he, he wins face-offs. He's smart in his own end. He does all the little things right, and he doesn't take a shift off. And that's, that's kind of what David Quinn has been preaching all year long that relentless attitude, that never give up on a shift attitude, that Jesper Foster has done throughout his career, that Jimmy Vesey is starting to really understand now, and Howden has brought to the team, and that hopefully the other guys on the team are starting to pick up on that as well.
1: Definitely. And, you know, to your point about um, guys being played a little too much on some guys playing, not being, not playing enough, not getting enough minutes. I do think that Philip Heedle needs to be getting more minutes in terms of that. I do think that the one fault I found with David Quinn so far is that he's not finding the right amount of time to play Philip Heedle. Now, part of this is because of the play of Brett Howden, as we've been talking about, because frankly, Brett Howden has been playing so well, he deserves the minutes that he is getting. But at some point you have to realize what Cody McLeod does bring or you know, what some people would like him to bring that enforcer type mentality. It's not really helping all that much. It's not, that's not how the game is shaping these days. It's not what the game is about these days. I think David Quinn really needs to take a look at his roster and he needs to get Filipino more minutes because, you know, he's their top offensive prospect right now. That's in North America. You need to get this guy minutes because there's people I think he could possibly a first line center. So, you know, there's a lot of ways you can shift your lineup around to make this happen uh, have Hedl maybe play center. Maybe, I'm not saying do this, definitely, maybe switch Zbanejad to the wing for a few games, see what he could do on the wing with that really nice shot of his. Uh, just, I think there needs to be some solution of getting Filippito more minutes, because you can't have him saddled to the fourth line with Cody McLeod all the time. I really don't like that. I don't think that's the best way to move forward with his development. And if you're going to do that, it would have been more beneficial to have him play top-line minutes in Hartford, to be honest. But the well, is better than the AHL, you know what I mean?
3: Well, here here's the thing with that Russ, is that you're not going to move the to the wing. He's too good in the middle. He wins a good majority of his faceoffs. He's responsible uh with the puck, so how I mean, into the I mean ast- I agree with you. He's he's established wow. himself. So the only yeah. way I see it working is if you bump out Hayes to the wing like we had said in the off season, you move Anderson into the fourth line role. As much as no one wants to hear that, but that's kind of where his game is at right now. Yeah. And then if you, and then if and when the team moves Hayes during the during the season, then you can really play around with the with the line combinations. Maybe Anderson goes to the wing at some point if mm-hmm. if uh, if Howden and and uh, and Peters are playing well. So it really. It really just Absolutely. Went let's, not for, let's not forget Nieves, uh, who got injured in the in the opening game. And he did skiing. get sent down to
1: Hartford recently, if I'm he correct. He got sent
3: down to Hartford yeah. this week. But he is a perfect fourth line center for this team, where guys like Anderson and Hede and Howden, should one of them bump out to the wing, you got three highly skilled centers, plus Nieves, who will chip in a point or two here and there. And a, yeah. and a wing and a guy like Leah Anderson, who can really um, play that Jesper Foss style, but possibly with a little more skill.
1: Yes. And Zach, don't get me wrong. I understand Zibanejad is going to be a center for this team, but I think it would be nice to just maybe see how he'd perform, for, not permanently, but maybe a few shifts, just to give Heedle just more more time to play because I think the kid needs more time to play. He needs more minutes here, which is the ultimate goal. And, yes, I do agree that Kevin Hayes is the one that should be switched to the wing on a semi-permanent basis because, if anything, showcase him in different positions because I believe Kevin Hayes is going to be the first domino that falls this season in the trade market, one of the first big pieces to fall. JL, you know we've been talking about this switching people around, moving guys to different positions. Uh, you know, what do you think? How do you think he, David Quinn could give Philip Hito more ice time? And do you think Leah Anderson, with this new call-up, does he deserve fourth-line minutes? Or with the way he was playing at Hartford, would you move him up the lineup even further?
2: Well, okay, so currently, you see, this is a good problem that the team has right now. This is a very good problem because this kind of problem allows for creativity. Now, if anyone can remember last year, uh, heel, you know, on the Heedl subject first, Heedle uh, was paired with uh, Hayes and Zuccarello. Now, you're talking about that. That was the second line, essentially, outside of Zibanejad, Kreider, and Luchavich. And Heedle looked fantastic. You know, the more he was on the ice, you could see that when he came back a the second time, he looked comfortable. He looked more at ease, you know, with Hayes and Zuccarello on his side. So if you want to give him more minutes, like you said, take Hayes to the wing. Hayes is a big body tell him to shoot the puck as much as he wants, have Hedl right down the middle. Or if anything, they could just keep switching on and off. doesn't matter. You're giving Hedl second-line minutes because Kevin Hayes is playing very well right now. I'll eat my words about Kevin Hayes. I never thought he was a bad player, but you know sometimes there were some things that were lacking about him. But right now, Kevin Hayes is doing fantastic. Um, so you throw Hedl there with Zuccarello, or what you could do is, if we're willing to give Vladislav Nemetnikov a shot on the first line with uh, Zabanejad or Kri- with Kreider or with Zuccarello, why don't we just stick Filippino there? Have him on wing. We're trying him not on wing. Throw him up there. See how he does. He's a skilled guy. You know, he's a little small for the time being. You can, you can tell that he's a little overmatched when players hit him and he kind of likes this Stops, like he hits a brick wall, but you can still see the natural talent this guy has. And if he's with a guy like Zibanejad, then he'll be fine. I think he'll he'll flourish. You know, I think he's meant for that kind of thing. Out of Hedl and Anderson, I think Hedl is the one that'll probably end up becoming um, the winger out of the two. Now, your comment about Zibanejad moving the wing, forward, I hate to be that guy, but I disagree with that 100%. Because one of the things, at least for the time being, is that Jad in his role currently, looks fantastic. Now, I understand you might want to switch things around. Sure, fine. But right now, you don't want to, or even in the future, let, let, let's, let, let's not talk about now, let's talk about down the line. This team has a ton of wingers that they could just throw there. Center depth is there, but they're still kind of young when Anderson this in and forth. So moving the Jad to the wing is kind of counterproductive. You know, especially if you could just throw a needle there who has had some time on the game. And if Zibanejad's doing good on the, on, down the middle, then just keep him there. Yeah, he's a righty. He's got a right-handed shot. But you save that for the power play. And Zibanejad will find his way around anyway. You know, at half the time, you know, in the offensive zone, they're all moving around anyways. You know? So yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Much. But then you go on the topic of Lucas Anderson. You know, stick on the fourth line. It, wh- wh- what does it matter? He's getting NHL experience. He's had some NHL experience last year. You throw him there now. And and you know what? This is a good problem again because now, just like the coach who was not named, you know, who manned the bench previously, he's rolled out all four lines. So Quinn is going to have to do that because you can't do a John Tortorella and not play your fourth line. You know, that's one of the reasons why they lost in the the, in the conference final in 2012. Hi, Stu Bickle. Um But... Um, <laughs> You, uh, you, you know, he's going to have to get some minutes, and Anderson's a skilled guy. So you put him with, like, a Letary or even, like, a Spooner or even a VC or whatever, and, you know, these kids are going to learn. You want them out there. In terms of all that, like I said, this is a good problem. This is a good situation. Cody McLeod, I, I know he's a glue guy. But he's not going to be here for long, and if we're going to expedite whatever rebuild or retool, as this team tries to call it, but they kind of don't, but they do, but then they don't want to. You, <laughs> I think that's know. a
1: perfect, perfect way to describe it, Jail. Yeah, <laughs> they kind
2: of do, but they you know, kind
1: of don't, but they kind of want to, but they kind they of don't. Kind but
2: of They do kind of do. <laughs> kind of yeah. So just, just finish my point. You know, it's a good problem. Let the kids play, like Zach said. I like Cody McLeod in terms of you know what he brings for the locker room and, you know, just let the kids play and, 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 switching positions. The only time that that would probably benefit any player on this team would probably be Hayes and or Hito. So Right.
1: So, I mean, clearly there's a lot of options and it's nice to finally have prospects that we can like, we don't have to force into roles. We can experiment. We can see where they fit in the lineup best. We don't have, we can let people marinate a little bit if they have to, this is what having a pipeline is like. For you know, we haven't really had this in a long time because of all the seasons have been we've been going for it and going for it and going for it. And now we finally have some guys that we can afford to think of all these scenarios for. So which is actually really nice. So clearly my jet suggestion has not been received well. It's okay. It was just an idea. That's why we discussed things. So um cuz we don't like Ander- you know it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> Leah Sanderson has been called up. Uh, he will play his second game with the big club uh, with against the Detroit Red Wings tonight. Uh, yesterday, when you guys will be listening to this, so hopefully the Rangers won that game. Uh, this game was seen even a week ago as possibly being a tankathon. Red Wings are bad. We're bad. Suddenly, the Red Wings have been winning some games. We've been winning some games, and like we said at the top of the show, we're now seven seven and two. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's at this seven seven and one. I am very sorry. We are seven seven and one. So. What do, you, what do we take of this? You know, like we, we've been saying, you know, like JL said, it's a rebuild, but it's not, but it is, but they don't want to call it that, but it might be, but who knows, but yeah, it is. So I got JL's thoughts on this before, and I kind of want to get Zach's thoughts on this as we circle around here. Uh, Zach, we were projected to finish basically 29th to 31st in the league. We've been talking about all these different lineup changes, all these different things going on with our team, things we didn't expect. Obviously, no one expected this. What do you think about this matchup tonight against the Detroit Red Wings? And what do you think that is best for this team going forward? Do you think it's more beneficial for them to keep getting these wins? Or do you think it's detrimental to the future?
3: You know, it, it's interesting because, well, for a couple reasons. Number one, you know, you obviously want the team to win as just as a fan. You don't want to see a team lose night after night, but then on the other hand, you know that the best thing for the organization might be to uh, have a bad season or to end up with a high draft pick. The the here, Here's what I'll say is that whether they win or lose every night, and I've said this before, I don't really care. You know, if they win, fantastic, they won. If they lose, we're one step closer to a draft pick. My thing is I want to see the effort, and I think that's what David Quinn has really done so far uh, this season. He's hammered in on the guys that, you know, we may not win every game, but if you don't put in the work, you're not going to play. Um, so when it comes to their record, if they were ten and five, or ten two and and three, you know, it might be sitting here a little differently. But you know, they just got to five hundred. There's a lot of season left. We're not expecting them to make the playoffs. Even if they hang around at the bottom of the of the playoff bracket um, until like the All Star break and then drop off, like what happened last year, that's fine. You know, lottery pick is not guarantee number one if you have the worst record. So we'll see how it plays out. But again, for me, it's it's more the effort and that if guys are taking shifts off or if guys are phoning it in for uh, a, a whole period, a whole game, that the coaching staff notices, they put someone else in there that's going to do the job, and that players are, as David Quinn has said many times, players are held accountable for their actions. Um, so that that's kind of my thinking. I, I would like to see the Rangers go 82-0. It never happens. <laughs> but, but, again, if the guys are willing to work, Whatever the result is, it's not going to be any worse. Um, Let me rephrase. If you put the work in, you'll get more rewards. If you don't put the work in, you might still get some rewards, but you're not going to be as happy about it because you know that you could have done more to get to the next stage.
1: Yes, and I feel like this is going to be a battle within – I feel like the organization about the fan base all year is winning versus uh, fighting for the future. Now, when you have a new coach, you want to instill a culture of winning. You don't always want to lose. So that's an important thing to note here. But at the same time, the Rangers are a very, the Rangers have a lot of very good found like building block pieces to this organization to eventually build the next Stanley cup contender. The problem is the same as it was last era. And the problem is, is that we need to see if this team has an elite offensive player. There was just a great article put on The Athletic by Arpan Basu, I believe, about how Henrik Lundqvist and Carey Price are the last two true franchise goaltenders in the NHL. Highest paid player, superstars at their position. Now, this is dying off slowly because more and more teams are building around these young, fast, elite, talented players. Now the question is, and it's the same question we've been asking all summer since the draft, since even last year before the draft, do the Rangers have someone like that in their system? Well, it's a perfect segue to our next topic here. We're going to talk about how some of our prospects have been doing. I'm going to talk about prospective picks in the 2019 draft. So we keep saying how there's a lot of change, a lot of different things going on in the organization than we've been used to. Well, a lot of people have been wondering, do we have someone to replace Ryan McDonough as our number one defenseman? A lot of people thought it could be Brady Shea. Then Kevin Shattenkirk came in, and people thought maybe Kevin Shattenkirk could fill this kind of void this year once he got healthy. But I think our best chance at filling a number one defenseman role, it's going to be a little while, people, maybe two to three years. And also, the, uh, the sample size has not been the biggest yet. But the early returns on Keandre Miller – have made this man seem like he is going to be the steal of the 2018 entry draft. He is averaging a point per game in the NCAA for the University of Wisconsin. He has looked really crisp. He has looked like he is going to be a top defenseman in this league. And a lot of people are already starting to compare him to Seth Jones with the way he plays. So JL, I guess we'll start with you for this one. Did you foresee this kind of fanfare for Keandre Miller this early? And do you think that Keandre Miller could turn into a, smooth skating, big number one defenseman that this team so desperately needs?
2: Well, no, and it's nothing against the kids. It's It's just, you know, late round picks don't normally, I mean, with the exception of maybe a, a couple of people, but usually according to the regular formula of how these things normally work, usually late-round picks, uh, end up coming... He was 22nd overall, so normally those take a little longer to develop. Uh, You know, I think of, you know, someone like J.T. Miller, for example. You know, no pun intended with the last name, but, you know, he was a late-round first-round pick and it took him a little while to get, you know, used to the game, whatever. But I think nowadays uh, it shouldn't be much of a surprise anymore. I'm very pleased at the way... This kid is playing. He looks solid. I mean, this kid is a tank. The kid is six four yeah. for goodness' sake. You know, six four two hundred, right? Six four two hundred pounds. I can't even imagine myself being two hundred pounds. Six <laughs> four, nonetheless. You know, so, but he, he he seems like he's strong on his skates. That was the that was the kicker for him I said he was a fantastic skater. But he just kind of seems like he's maybe maturing a little more than what he is normally, you know, what he normally should be at. And one of the things that I noticed is that he seems confident. You know, a lot of the footage that you see of him, you know, and some of the stuff that's been coming out lately, he seems like he's confident on the puck and he's confident on his skates. And, you know, uh when you look at a guy like a ryan McDonough for example, and I will put a little anecdote here. Um, the Hartford Wolf uh, or the Connecticut, well, at least at the time, they have the highlights of their games, you know. So I, you know, me being the fan I am, I would watch them, and I would, you know, just look at the way the defenseman are skating, and i evaluate things this now the fourth because, you know, quote-unquote pro scout here, <laughs> ha-ha, give me some money. But, um, yeah, <laughs> i joking, of course. I, I just took notice at how the players moved and how they were defending and this that the and fourth. and McDonough was very strong on his skates, and when he got called up, people were saying, Oh, well, he's not, you know, he's still kind of raw. This is in the first season, the guy was absolutely lights out. And we all know what ended up happening after that. So when I look at Keandre Miller, I'm not going to say that this guy's going to be here next year scoring goals like Seth Jones does, but sooner or later, he'll probably end up being here quicker than most people think. And, you know, if he can bring that big size at the back end with some, you know, with some speed. That's beneficial to everyone in the New York Rangers because for a very long time this team has lacked grittiness on the back end. You look at you look at the way that they had defensemen back in the day. They were all big, but they couldn't skate or defend to save their lives. At least some of the players that the Rangers had. So it'll be nice to have someone on the back end who's not named Dylan MacCarran. That's a big body. And can move and can actually play hockey. It's no knock to Dylan McIlrath, but there's a reason why he's not here. So I think this guy is going to be a wagon when he comes up. Sooner yeah, I definitely, than... think,
1: I definitely think he has all the tools to be an amazing player in this league. Zach, uh, Keandre Miller. This was lauded as one of the best picks of the draft by a lot of people for the New York Rangers. Uh, after picking the controversial yet quite talented Vitali Kravtsov at nine, they went with this smooth skating American who's a converted defenseman, but a good one nonetheless at 22. Zach, what have you thought of Keandre Miller so far? And similar to what I asked JL, do you think this guy can be a future number one defenseman on New York's blue line?
3: Well, you, you have to like what you've seen. I mean, he's got points in uh, almost all of the Badgers yeah. games already. I don't know. Eight, eight point
1: points in eight point. games.
3: Yeah. Right, so I don't keep a close enough eye on it, but thankfully you guys do. Um, but, you know, you have to like what you've seen. He's, like you mentioned, he's a converted forward into a defenseman, so he's got good skating ability. He's He's got a good shot. He's heady on the ice. All things that make up a great player. And, you know, will he be a number one D? time will tell, but like JL mentioned, the Rangers haven't had a big defenseman that's good at both ends of the ice in a long, long time. I mean, the last defenseman that I can remember where that was good in his own end and, and offensively dynamic was Brian Leach. And that was 20 years ago, basically when he was in his prime. So, Can Keandre Miller be the next Brian Leach? Maybe. I mean, it's a stretch considering everything Leach did in his career with the Rangers and Mm -hmm. probably being the best American defenseman of all time. But if you're talking about a guy that's going to be a staple on the blue line who can muck it up in the corners and and one-time pucks into the back of the net with consistency, um, that's going to be something to look forward to. The other thing Um, is that the Rangers haven't had a defense pair like Leach and Sergei Zubov back in 94. That's not saying that the Rangers don't have, have never had good defensemen, but it is saying that the Rangers haven't had a dynamic duo of, of offensively talented, yet defensively strong defensemen, and you know, Miller's all, so far, so good. Neil Lundqvist in Sweden. In Sweden, so far, so good. Um, Neil Pionk, so far, so good with the Rangers and and with his goal the other night. So if some, if even half of these Rangers top prospects pan out, you know we haven't heard anything about John Gilmore after he played the last uh, couple months of the season with the Rangers and he was solid. So if if even half of the Rangers prospects pan out. Mark Stahl's got a couple of years left, uh, and that's if the Rangers don't buy him out in the offseason, which I'm sure we'll talk about it at a later date. Um, but even if half of the Rangers' top prospects on the blue line pan out, they're going to be really good for a long time to come.
1: Yes. So,
3: basically, what we're trying to tell you guys here is we're not
1: saying that Keandre oh. Miller is Brian Leach. And as Zach said, he has a lot to live up to to even come close to those kinds of comparisons. But it's nice to have someone in the system with that kind of potential as we look towards the future of this New York Rangers roster. So, as Zach also mentioned, Nils Lundqvist playing extremely well for Lulia. Remember, he's only 18 as well. 5'11", 174, a bit of a shiftier, smaller player than Keandre Miller. But he's mobile. He likes to make quick decisions with the puck, and he loves to join the rush. He's got six points in 16 games so far on the SHL, which is pretty good for an 18-year-old. Um... And finally, the one that I'm sure everyone has been wanting to hear about, the ninth overall pick in the 2018 entry draft, our boy Vitali Kravtsov. Definitely controversial, as we've seen over the past few months, but Vitali Kravtsov has really upped his game so far this year for Tractor Chelyabinsk, Binks, putting up 11 points in 24 games. And if his teammates knew how to finish those passes, the guy could easily be at something around 20 points in 24 games at this point. Because watching this kid play, watching what he does and with the vision that he has, I think he just needs to rip the puck more. I think he needs to be to think more of shoot-first mentality than he's been because, man, does he have a – he has a bullet when it comes to that shot of his. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you and Vitaly Kravtsov. You know, we see the gifts from, thankfully, Alex Nunn. Keep him coming, man. And we see the highlights whenever we can because, you know, the KHL games are on at crazy times since we're half a world away. But these kinds of numbers, putting numbers on pace are better than guys like Tarasenko, Kuznetsov in their draft-plus-one season's you know, do you think now that the noise is starting to settle down and people are getting more excited about him as these days go on? Or, you know, do you think that it's the, the pick still deserves that controversial status?
3: No, I mean, you have to like what you've seen. There's no denying that he's got a lot of talent and, and skill. And and you mentioned that a, a guy who's able to pass the puck, but his teammates aren't able to shoot, or, or at least finish off the play is not going to help a team win as much as make fans go crazy. So, you know, and it's something that we've seen with the Rangers the last few years with Zuke and with the aforementioned Kevin Hayes, where it's guys who, who have a great shot, but are so unselfish that they're unwilling to use it. So if, if Kravtsov is a little more selfish, you know, we've seen his dangles where he gets into great, scoring position but either gets bumped off bumped off the puck at the last second or or the goalie makes a, a, a very good save. But if, if he keeps getting pucks to the net himself, eventually guys will back off of him where or guys will come to him I should say, where he doesn't have a choice but to pass and there's a man open. So you have to like what you've seen from Kraftov. Hopefully he gets here sooner rather than later to North America uh, Tractor has had a terrible season, so there is a slight chance, depending on how his contract is structured, that he could be in North America before the AHL season is over.
1: Yes, and I think a lot of fans are hoping that he does well with Tractor, but well not, but hoping Tractor doesn't do well enough so we can see Kravtsov possibly get some audition games at the end of the season, which would be really something. It'd be a nice treat for fans. JL, you know you. And Zach, to an extent, you guys saw how crazy a lot of people were on draft night about this. But Kravtsov is proving that guys that Gordy Clark was right to take him. And you know, it's really something to see this kid. He's also, by the way, another massive dude, 6'4", 183, and he's only eighteen years old. Um, he's got crazy good hands. You know, he's got this, like I said, this bull of a shot. And I really want to see him over as quick as as quick as possible, JL. What do you think about this guy now that we've seen him produce even more in his draft plus one season?
2: Well, my goodness, what can you possibly say? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you. The initial pick, I wasn't too thrilled about it. But, you know, that's just, you know going against what we all thought was going to happen you know we all wanted wallstrom let's be real but now that you keep look, you keep looking at it and you thought you you look you looked into it you thought about it and guess what this is why after a while once the you know once the anger started going away you started to realize like these guys know what they're doing maybe they saw something in this kid that wallstrom doesn't have and you know what so far it seems like Gordy Clark and company have made the right decision. I said this on previous podcasts before, and I'm going to say it again. Even when the Rangers were playing very well, there was probably only one guy on those rosters that you can probably say that could score at will. And obviously that was Marion Gabrick, and before that, Yammer Yager, but Yager was at an advanced age. But Marion Gabrick, out of all those teams that, were in the playoffs for the Rangers was probably the only guy that could probably just come down a wing and fire it on net and score. Say what you want about Rick Nash. I love the guy, but he was a different player when he came here. and He served his role. He was different than he was in Columbus. So what I think the Rangers are trying to do, and they noticed this, was that you look at a team like a St. Louis, you look at a team like a Toronto, where they have guys like, you know, uh, Tarasenko in... um, Tarasenko in, uh, in, in in St. Louis, and you have guys like Marner and Matthews and even William Nylander, uh, in a sense, who they could just take the puck and fire it on net. You could even go as far as saying Chicago at the time signing Artemi Panarin from the KHL. All he did was score at will. Obviously, he's playing with Patrick Kane, but he's gone to Columbus and played very well. hope to see you here next year, Artemi. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, so I think the Rangers realized that because you look at the way the team kind of faltered towards the end of the season. There wasn't really that guy to kind of just come in and say, you know what, I'm just going to skate down the wing and score. You know, I know a lot of older Ranger fans were used to seeing that with a Messier, you know, just come down this off wing and shoot the puck, and it goes in magically somehow. Same thing with, you know, Gretzky to an extent. So I think now what they were trying to look for is, yeah, Wallstrom is good, but they want the guy who they know is shifty in the corners who can play to the David Quinn style system and can just score at will. So I am absolutely enamored with this pick because this kid playing with adults, he's 18 years old. And you said he's what? 183, 18 yeah. years old. That That's a lot of size for a kid. When I was 18 years old, I was like 140 pounds. I'm like, I was like <laughs> half his weight. So the fact that this kid is young and he's got size, more size on him, because if you look at the initial um, the initial reading on him, he was 170 pounds. And he was like 6'2", 6'3", they listed him. But he's 6'4", and he was 170. The kid's put on weight, so he's obviously doing something right. So give it a couple more months, maybe a year. Hopefully he's here by the end of the season, you know, because Tractor Chelyabinsk isn't exactly the greatest. Like you said, I've never seen a team muff so many chances on a guy mm-hmm. setting him up perfectly. You know, so, you know, I, I'm i just, I'm really excited. And, and you know what else makes, gets me excited, too, is not only is there the prospect of Vitaly Kratsov being fantastic, but then you also have the prospect of, like I said, an Artem- a guy like an Artemi Panarin coming in. Now, Panarin is not the youngest, but he's also not the oldest. So just imagine having a line or even a power play unit, first or second, of... Artemi Panarin, a center like a Philip Eel if he decides to stay down the middle, and a Vitaly Kratsov. And if they all manage to play at the best of their abilities, mother of pro. That is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So just thinking about that kind of puts things into perspective. It says, you know what, this team knows what they're doing. And so far, we are reaping the benefits of the way they constructed the team and the right players, and hopefully the Kratsoff pick will end up, you know, coming to fruition the way that we all wanted to. I agree.
1: You, you want to see this kid succeed, and I do think that if Tractor goes down early that we're going to see Vitaly Krausov get a few games of National Hockey League action. I really think we will at the end of this season. So moving on here, sticking with the prospects, though, You know, we all know the top two names. We know who they are. We know how good they are. We know what they can do. But today I want to tell you guys about three guys, three or four guys, who you might not have heard of, who I think would be amazing additions to the Rangers, uh, depending on where their pick is in the draft. The first one of those guys I want to bring attention to is a guy named Cole Caulfield. Now, Cole Caulfield, he's a right winger for the U.S. National Development Program. Five foot six, 155 pounds, but he's the literal definition of snipe show. Now, for those that don't know him, Cole Caulfield set an under-17 record last season with 54 goals. And he was currently on a six-game goal-scoring drought. But he's then scored 12 goals over his last seven games. He's explosive. He has a ridiculously good shot. And he's as close to pure sniper as you can get. So getting a guy like that in the draft, you know, would be a really cool, uh, really cool piece to add to our pipeline. Another guy that I'd love to bring attention to, some people say he could be the top defenseman off the board, is another defenseman from the U.S. National Development Program. His name's Cam York, 5'11", 171 pounds. Uh, You want an offensive defenseman who can do it all, a guy that can jump in the rush but still isn't afraid to get back and be in the right positions? Uh, There's your guy right there. Cam York is poised to have another big year with the U.S. National Development Program and would further strengthen the blue line for the New York Rangers in the future. Another guy I would love to bring attention to is, okay, excuse me if I butcher this name for those who know how to say it, but I'm going to attempt to say it anyway. Vasily Putkolzin, a right winger for Scott St. Petersburg, their minor league team in the MHL currently, Six foot one, 183 pounds. Boy, is this kid dominant. He is looking really strong really early with some people saying he could go in the top three if he keeps progressing like he is. He's currently ranked within the top five, and uh, he has apparently been – you know, he's apparently been – uh, playing really well at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Not apparently. He's actually playing very well. And he's going to play um, uh, against stiffer competition hopefully soon because some have said he looks kind of bored playing against younger competition, and you always want to challenge these kids. And, uh, you know, those are just a few guys I think would be really cool to add to our pipeline, a few guys that aren't named Jack Hughes or Capo Kako the people are talking about uh, in the 2019 entry draft. Uh, but – going back to those two. Uh, just to give you guys an example of why the top prize in the 2019 entry draft is going to be so good, Jack Hughes has 35 points in 17 games, which is a clip at 2.05 points per game. In his last three games, he's had uh, he has had six goals and nine assists in the last three games. Make of that what you will. He is an incredible talent. And going back to Capocacco, he's an amazing scorer, and he has apparently been moved to center – with his team and apparently they would like to see how he's been doing, how he can play the center ice position, which could change his stock come draft time since centers always typically go higher than wingers in the entry draft. Uh, So that wraps up our prospect talk. And before we leave our show today, uh, I'd like to circle one more time back to the Rangers recent hot streak. Now we see they're winning, but it's the way they're winning that has made me very happy with the way they're winning. It's been clawing back from some deficits. It's been clutch scoring. It's been guys stepping up at different times. These are all things that you love to see in a young team. It's all things you like to see with this culture being instilled for this franchise. It's things you love to see going forward. It's things that, as the years go on, they'll point to this year as being the foundation of David Quinn's system, the foundation of these guys buying in, and the foundation of a hopeful Stanley Cup contender within a few years. So guys, I guess each of you I'd like to give I'd like each of you to give me a final a final few words on what this start has meant to you and what do you think this team is going to accomplish within the next few years? Do you think that this team has the foundation, has the right coach, and has the ability to be able to become a Stanley Cup contender within the next few years? JL, we'll start with you.
2: Okay, so I know that people want to see them tank, okay? And, of course, I'm one of those people who, if they did, then sure. But outside of getting a sure thing like a McDavid or a Matthews, not saying Jack Hughes is not a sure thing, but you look at a team like Edmonton who's had a lot of high first-round picks. Obviously, player development goes into play here. But it's not about where you draft. It's about how you draft. So this team winning games and potentially maybe, who knows, fighting for a playoff spot won't exactly be the worst thing because if you trust the process, you know, stealing that from the Sixers, of course, then you'll know that with whatever draft position the Rangers end up getting, they're going to probably find a player that could impact them in some way. You also have trades in free agency, you know. Artemi Panarin is out there, you know. So as much as we may want to see this team tank. You have to remember, if this if we're trying to if if Jeff Gordon and Co. is trying to build a sustained winner, then you have to create a culture of winning. And that is the most important thing out of all of this is create a culture of winning. We got rid of all of the negative from last season, towards the end. Everyone is on the same page. What's most important at the end of the day is that they build a culture of winning. So them winning right now, outside of the detriment of getting uh, Jack Hughes, and let's be real, if this is the beginning of them going on a, a a playoff run where they end up resurrecting their season, good, because you know why? That'll be another notch of NHL experience on all these young players' books, and then when the younger guys come in, like a Keandre Miller or like uh, Vitali Kratsov, they're going to come in with players who know how to win. And that is the most important thing to longevity for this Rangers team. They're not building for just one or two years. They're trying to build another 10-year playoff streak and possibly more with potentially a Stanley Cup. So let them win their games. Let them find out how to win. The game against Montreal the other night was a perfect example of this team finding a way to win. And if everyone's on the same page, the talent is obviously there. So, yeah, we, if this ends up becoming something, we may not get Jack Hughes. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Because you can always get impact players through trades and free agency. And you can end up building a sustained winner for years to come. Because it seems like they're hitting a home run on a lot of things. I trust this team. So you know what? Let them go at it. Enjoy it. Sports is meant to be fun. And you know what? If this is the beginning of something special, then guess what? We all just got buckled in on the ride and we're all ready to go. I know I'm ready to go. Because if there's one thing that I love to see is the Rangers winning and there's nothing else like it. So I, you know what, win as many games as you possibly can. Not 82-0, and 0, but you know what, go ahead. Create the culture of winning and see how that's going to benefit everybody in the locker room and this team soon enough.
1: I love the optimism, buddy. I love how you're looking at it that way. And you know what, even if we don't get that top prize in the draft, having another year of good development and winning is never a bad thing. Zach, final word goes to you on today's show.
3: I said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't care what the record is at the end of the season. I really don't care what the record is now for this season. If the guys are putting in the work, they're learning how to be professional hockey players the right way. And I know it's David Quinn's first season as a professional head coach um, after spending years with the Avalanche and being an assistant under them and then going to – to be you and being an assistant and then head coach uh, in the college ranks. But, you know, there, there are ways to do things and there are ways not to do things. And what we saw at the end of last season was the way not to do things, to, you know, have games where you don't really show up and, and to have shifts where you just kind of go out there, do your 40 seconds and then come off. Um, this team works hard. They are starting to work smart, uh, as Zuccarello said after one of the games earlier this season. And you know, we're talking about the future of the team and building a culture, building a culture of hardworking players that are that are not going to stop until the job is done. Is something that is. Very important and often not talked about enough because the teams that have won the last few years have been supremely skilled teams. You know, Washington have been knocking on the door for how many years, and they finally got out of the second round and they won the Stanley Cup. Pittsburgh has won a handful of cups in the last 10 years. Chicago, L.A., Nashville's a perennial cup contender the last few years. Tampa Bay, Winnipeg is on the brink of it. All those teams have in common, aside from highly skilled players, is they all work for it. Sidney Crosby doesn't take a shift off, and he's quite arguably the best player in the world. Alex Ovechkin doesn't take a shift off, throws his body around whenever he gets a chance, and sets up for 30 goals a year from the same spot. You know, and it's predictable, but you can't stop it because. He works to get open. He works to get into position, and he works to get his shot off to the point where even if the defense is there, they're not blocking it, and the goalie's not stopping it. So the the Rangers just have to simply work. And again, if you work hard, the results will come. The only question with the Rangers for the future, aside for is is going to be the goaltending because we've been spoiled with Henrik for the last 13 or so years. And as much as Igor Shishjorkin looks like he could be the real deal, he hasn't played in North America yet. So we have to see how he does coming over, what your gift's future is in the organization, what, what some of the other prospects. A guy like Sean Day, who was granted exceptional status in the OHL, and then the Rangers draft him, and he kind of falls off the face of the earth with Hartford, and now he's in Maine, in the ECHL. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. I want to be optimistic, but at the same time, you have to be realistic and say, I don't know what the end result's going to be. I don't know if we're going to get a top-five draft pick, a bottom-five draft pick in the first round because we're going to make a deep playoff run, going to end up somewhere in the middle. But if the team puts in the work, fans won't be disappointed if the Rangers end up with a losing record but competed every night. So that, that's the only thing I want to see this year. I want to see guys who are fighting for jobs, who are fighting for contracts, who are fighting to make a name for themselves, to put in the work necessary to show the organization, hey, when this thing gets going right, you can count on me.
1: And thank you for joining us this week on Trevor okay. Blue Shirts Radio. I promise we'll be back a little sooner than, than we were this time. Hopefully, we'll, life will line up and we'll be able to do this very soon again. And as always, let's go Rangers, and let's hope that when you're listening to this, we had another Ranger victory against the Detroit Red Wings. Have a good week, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Hey.
0: get to old navy now for february's biggest style steal 40 percent off all jeans and tees jeans started just 18 bucks for adults 12 bucks for kids with tees from just seven bucks for adults six bucks for kids all jeans and tees are on sale even your favorite rock star jeans all jeans and all tees are 40 percent off right now don't miss out run into old navy and old navy.com today valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees active license and men's package tees
1: The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Gilbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders
2: talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.